one of the questions I ask a, a, a potential client when they're looking at applying to be part of my programs. I ask, when was the last time you invested in yourself? And very few times can they come up with any coherent answer that has anything to do with a true investment in themselves. And what I'm looking for is like, have you, did you enroll in a college course even to audit it? To just to learn something new? Did you hire a coach? Did you join a mastermind? Did you go to a conference that wasn't specifically related to work? Did you do something to make yourself better? And what I find is that most people don't. Welcome to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jamie. Hey, girl, hey. Well, today we have Jason Duncan, an award-winning entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, best-selling author, and business coach dedicated to helping fellow business owners find their true purpose in life. He started as an unemployed school teacher, but managed to launch his own thriving business in 2010, which has become one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America. With 13 years of experience as a pastor and spiritual advisor and four years as a school teacher, Jason offers a unique perspective on what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Jason's the founder of the Exeter Club, which teaches entrepreneurs how to live hashtag the exit lifestyle through a method he calls hashtag exit without exiting. His latest book, Exit Without Exiting, is a must read for anyone seeking to unlock their true purpose in life. He's also the host of the internationally syndicated podcast, The Root of All Success. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, Jason is a family man who loves spending time with his high school sweetheart and their two grown children. In his free time, he enjoys riding motorcycles, camping in his RV, and savoring a good cigar. And Jason and I are already friends. We had a funny run-in that came to be, which I'll share a little bit more about when we get into the episode. Can't wait to hear more about that. All right, everyone, listen to this show if you're looking to shift your money mindset and break free from financial limitations, you're an entrepreneur or small business owner who wants to take control of your business and create more balance in your life while also achieving financial abundance, or you're interested in learning how your mindset impacts your approach to financial opportunities and risks and how to develop a healthy balance of both. Well, Jason, welcome. So glad to have you here. It's good to be here. So I think it's so funny how we met, by the way, like, you know, I was just sharing in the intro a little bit, but obviously this is the universe putting us together. We were connected on like a referral call for business and we did that. And then I was at TEDx Wilmington and I'm and so I had just gone because I was manifesting my presence on a TEDx stage. And I live in Southern Pennsylvania and this TEDx was not far away. And so I said to my husband, babe, we're buying a ticket and we're literally just gonna go sit in the audience. Like I'm gonna wear TED red and I'm gonna get on that friggin' stage. And I sit down and like one of the first three people out, I'm like, wait a second, I know him. That's my friend, my buddy. <laughs> So it was so cool to see you up there. I know you're a TEDx expert as well. I love hearing your message and I'm so grateful that you're sharing just some of your expertise today about being a, a badass executive and also money mindset. Well, thank you. You're very kind. And it was, uh, it was interesting to run into you because we had communicated and followed each other on Instagram. And then you came up to me and were like, 
oh yeah you're that lady on instagram we yeah. talked before so here we are That's so funny in real life i get yes, that a lot no. because george and i are kind of this like couple so when people see us they're like hey you're you're those people those people from instagram i'm like we are but you know i gotta thank you also i have a debt of gratitude for you because you introduced me to the uh, facilitator the the organizer of that event and i did in fact speak at tedx in september so thank you so much for that so let's kick off because we're talking now about manifesting dreams and thinking big so let's go right into it i'm wondering if you could kind of share with us in layman's terms in your opinion what a money mindset is and how does it influence our everyday life well i think money consciousness and money mindset kind of the same thing it's like health consciousness so if you're health conscious you have a health mindset you're going to be paying attention to your activity you're going to be paying attention to what you eat you're going to be paying attention to maybe calories or some other macros you're going to be paying because you have the health consciousness there's a health mindset and it's constantly running that program in the background and that frequency is vibrating and you're paying attention to it and what that does is it attracts to you things that will help you and your health so like i just started working out for the first time in my life in the way that i enjoyed over the past year and that health consciousness is now creeping into how i eat how i pay attention to my health money consciousness is exactly the same thing if you start thinking about money in terms of you know what it can do what the impact it can have the tool that it is that if put in the hands of a master craftsman can create a beautiful world that's what money mindset is and it's a consciousness so if we get into that consciousness of money on a regular basis we're going to be much better off and we will attract things that allow us to build impact through money I love that answer. And as you, you know, I've heard of like financial wellness before. This is Heidi speaking. I never really thought about it in a way that sort of resonated in my brain. So thanks for that. (laughs) But I also at the same time was like, oh, but when people think too much about calories, it can become like an obsession and then they restrict and like, can the same thing happen with finances? Because so many people have so many limiting beliefs around money, right? So is there a way that we could all, you know, identify our limiting beliefs and, you know, just so that we can improve our financial well-being and our mental well-being? <laughs> I think they're tied. Well, I think limiting beliefs are the things that hold us back. And that is that we have a year, years and years and years, decades, depending on how old we are, of this subconscious influence that's happened around what money is, what money can do, what money is for, who has it, who doesn't have it. Um, on a show I was on recently, one of the guys talked about, yeah, the top 10 movies of the top 10 movies of all time, the, the evil villain is also rich. Mm-hmm. So that produces some sort of concept in our brain that rich people are evil. And so we have this whole life of bad money ideas being infiltrated. The school system certainly isn't teaching the kids about money. We didn't get taught about it. Anything we learned about it probably was wrong because the school system is trying to produce employees who happen to be the highest taxpayers to produce the schools to create employees to give taxpayers. So it's the system. And people like us as entrepreneurs, we broke out of that. Limiting beliefs have to be acknowledged and understood. And it takes a mastermind of people around you to help with that, whether it's your spouse or whether it's a mastermind that you pay money to be a member of, those people can help you identify those limiting beliefs and rise above them. But like so many of them, I feel like start in childhood, right? Like it's your family of origin. James, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, like I grew up in a house that was like, that had insane money beliefs, like totally insane. And Heidi's, Heidi's was like, you don't talk about money. It's gauche. My family, there was definitely a little bit of that. But also, like, I wasn't really taught 
God bless my mom. And I, I always hate to like, you know, but she comes from where she comes from and, and, and she raised me as she raised me. Like, actually, I didn't really get taught very well how to manage money or how to like, I didn't really see a lot of like fiscal responsibility, maybe, and maybe it's because she was of like a certain, like in a certain stratosphere where like she had people doing it for her. It wasn't a conversation that was being had around the house a lot. I was never really imbued with some of that financial acumen. And I'm kind of like, no one ever taught me that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, nobody, well, I think it's rare if we find kids who grew up in families whose parents taught them about money. My parents didn't talk, teach me about money. My mom stayed home, which I was very grateful for as my little brother and I had my mom fully present with us our whole life as children. Very thankful for that. My dad obviously was the single breadwinner of the home. To this day, I have no idea how much money he made. Right. He worked for AT&T. He was retired from the Navy. Like, I have no idea. I don't know if he made 40 grand a year. I don't know if he made 200. Not likely that he made 200. But like, we were firmly in the middle class. We didn't go on extravagant vacations. We never, never didn't have something. We always had what we needed, but we didn't have, drive Mercedes. We didn't live in huge houses. But I didn't know anything about money. And so when I started my career, I went into ministry first. And of course, I didn't make any money in that. And, and again, the church, good or bad, doesn't teach very good money stories, you know, and I was a pastor for a long time. So I was part of that problem. So it doesn't teach money. And then I became a school teacher. <laughs> so I was a school teacher and didn't make any money. And it wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and, and became a millionaire as a result of that, that money uh, consciousness even became, became aware of it. It's like, wait a minute, I have access to capital. I can drive nice cars. I can live in nice houses. I can go do nice things. But more than that, I now have the tool that I can go do something pretty amazing with and make an impact in this world where before it was just my willingness and desire to do it, but I didn't have the tools or ability to do it. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think it's also really interesting. Our parents came from a different time. When I look at my husband's parents, they have not even given him critical health information about their family's history because there are some things that are just secrets. It's no one's business. It's like critical health information that I want to know because like mm -hmm. his DNA is my kids, right? And like, they are so secretive. So it's like your parents came from a very specific time where you just don't talk about how much you make. I think it's really cool. And, and Heidi had seen me step into my own actualization of like, I love this time that we're living in where it's okay to speak uh, a financially abundant mindset narrative. It's okay to say, and then I became a millionaire and here's what I did because you're in a teaching role. I do think it's different when a man says it than when a woman says it, we still have this weird con connotation. When women are out there being like, I earned my first million and da, 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 da. And people are like, oh, show off. Meanwhile, when a man says it, it's capital. When a woman says it, it's showy, but we're breaking through some of that, right? So I think it's really interesting though. It sounds like you, similar to my story, came from a place where you were really struggling to a place where you you have been able to step into a more abundant lifestyle. It's been exciting for me to build my business around me, but as it scaled, I'm kind of like out there flailing because all of a sudden I'm taking different financial risks. They feel terrifying because I'm like, is this too much? Buying a house, you know, you got a couple of cars in the driveway. What if it all goes to shit? Well, how am I gonna keep up with all this? So. When it comes to taking financial risks, obviously some tend to be more cautious than others. I'm wondering if you think mindset plays a role in this and how people can develop or push past kind of that, that healthy balance of risk taking and caution if they're stuck more in one area or the other. Well, this may not be the answer you're looking for, but as you're talking about this, what I was thinking about is the differences between when I didn't have money and when I did have money. 
the way I saw it and thought about it. And, and of course, this will play into the risk question specifically in a minute. But in my life, it wasn't a whole lot different from when I didn't have money, when I was making, well, between my wife and me, I think, you know, we're the last income we both had together. I think our household incomes were at 80 when I was teaching and she was working. And then I've had, let's just say, significantly higher than 80. Was my life any different in those two? No, not a lot. But here's the difference. I think that most people who barely have enough, paycheck to paycheck, they're not poor. They're just barely have enough. I think they're more selfish and are more hand holding like this to money than people up here. And, and what's, what's weird about that is because we think, I think we we all three probably grew up thinking that was the person at the top who had a lot of money that held onto it tightly and was selfish. And it's actually the opposite because when I would when I didn't have an, barely enough, everything we how was was the cost? Can we do it? It was all about money, and we didn't think about the abundance. We didn't have this. We didn't have the risk tolerance to go and do other things. Now that you have money, okay, is life any different? No, but you have better choices. You have more choices, and you have the ability to make impact, which requires risk. So here's the thing. Okay, let's say you were used to making 80 and you're making 800. Okay, you can take a $720,000 risk and your life really is not going to make it is not going to be any different. Like think about that. You could take that big of a risk. Now that that's not advisable and I don't necessarily you should do that, <laughs> but you can take these big risks, but they need to be calculated. They don't need to be dumb, they don't need to be naive and they don't need to be you know, just based on an infomercial you watch late at night and send right. some guys some money or put your hand on the television, <laughs> you know, none of that. Stuff. It, they need to be calculated risks. And as entrepreneurs, we have that ability. Think about the people who've impacted this world the most. Jesus being probably, in my opinion, the one who he was a carpenter, you know, and when he was doing his ministry, didn't have any income, but he had wealthy people around him who financed that and he changed the world. Think about Mother Teresa didn't have any money, but had access to the Catholic Church, which was the wealthiest organization in the world, to make impact. You think about Gandhi, you think think about all these religious leaders who've changed the world. They didn't have personal wealth, but they had access to it. I want to be the person that these people have access to that I can help change the world. Hmm. I love that. I'm like, I feel like we all need to like ponder on all the people who've changed the world. And sadly, tangent, like when you were saying that list, I was like, oh, but the person that I can think of that ruined the world had all the money. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, sadly. But I digress. When you were um when you were talking about that, it really made me think about how so many people struggle with the concept of worthiness when it comes to financial success, right? And not just the outcome, but when you were talking about calculated risks, I was thinking about an entrepreneur investing in oneself, right? Like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't spend that on me. Like I can spend 20K to send my kid to camp, but I can't invest it in my own business. So how does one overcome these types of challenges and believe in their own ability to achieve financial abundance with worthiness, with self-investment and those type of ideas? Well, it's a, it's a great question because it, it it speaks directly to the heart of all the money problems that we have. It's a bad money story that we're telling ourselves and we'd be willing to spend it on other people or other things, but we can't spend it on ourselves. One of the questions I ask a, a, a potential client when they're looking at applying to be part of my programs, I ask, when was the last time you invested in yourself? And very few times can they come up with any coherent answer that has anything to do with a true investment in themselves. And what I'm looking for is like, have you, did you enroll in a college course even to audit it? Did just to learn something new? Did you hire a coach? Did you join a mastermind? Did you go to a conference that wasn't specifically related to work? Did you do something to make yourself better? And what I find is that most people don't. Oh, I bought a book. 
you know, or I listen to podcasts. Well, that's not, I mean, I don't diminish the fact that I've got a book, you know, I want to, I want people to buy this book and read it, but, but it doesn't diminish that, but they don't invest in themselves. But then I say, well, when's the last time you invested in real estate or crypto or, oh yeah, I do this all the time. Well, why can't you're your own best tool at creating wealth, not the crypto, not the real estate. What if you invested that same hundred grand and hired a coach that accelerated your path to success, took that 10 year timeline down to one? I mean, wouldn't that be a thing to do? I think it's a mindset. And I think we need people around us to encourage us and to tell us that we need to think bigger than where we're at right now. If you are listening to this right now, take Jason's words as your cue. This is your moment to invest in yourself. And Heidi knows this, but Jason, I'll, I'll share with you and our listeners. I mean, I don't buy expensive handbags. I don't buy expensive shoes. I invest in myself last year. I invested about the amount of a college education in my own professional development, but I did it very strategically. It was planned. None of it was an impulse buy. I stepped back from some parts of my business to take the time to engage in some of the coaching programs I was participating in. And over that course of time, I've I've 5X'd my business in the last in the last two years, directly relational to the coaching that I have done. And I took about three different masterminds and then also, you know, a couple different resources, some of which I'll share about in an upcoming solo episode. So stay tuned. What I can tell you is that I could not agree with you more. And I felt it was important to mention that part of my personal journey because I would have been terrified to do that. Terrified. And there's shit we need to do around my house. We need a new backyard. We need to update our kitchen. That stuff can wait a minute because I promise you in one year, 18 months, I will be better equipped to do those things for my family. But luckily my partner also believes in this and in me enough. And we, we really did come up with a strategy that we made a conscious decision to invest in those things. And I just am so grateful. I think, again, it is a, a moment in time that we're kind of in that that is a more normalized thing to do and a little more readily available to participate in some of those things. Because I can tell you from personal experience, they really work. Yeah. The first person I ever heard talk about money on a public way that made sense that I was attracted to was Dave Ramsey. Now, today, I have a very different view of how money works than the way he teaches, but it doesn't diminish the value of that. What I think you were just saying made me think about this is that one of the things he says is eat rice and beans, beans and rice, pay off all your debts, you know, get down to nothing and just live five years, six years, just barely making it like you don't do no vacations, no nothing so that eventually you'll have the wealth and the ability to go do it. I don't, I, that's, that's horse hockey. Why? Because I think that discounts the mental the mental ability, the mental wealth of living the life that you want to live now. That's what's wrong with 401ks and retirement plans. Why, why, why have we bought into this bull crap that you should work 40 years so that you can retire and spend maybe 10 on less money than you had when you were working? Like this is, that's crazy. What about now? Why not go invest in the backyard? And I'm not saying you made a bad decision. I'm not arguing with what you said, but it made me think about it. It's like, I want to I want to go do that now. I'm going to invest in myself, but I'm also going to invest in, I'm going to have nice things. I want to do things. I'm going to go on vacation. You know, I'm 48. I don't want to wait till I'm 70 to go travel and do things. I want to do it now. So I could do the Dave Ramsey plan and just rice and beans. And then eventually when I'm 70, I'll have 80, $100 million in the bank. And I go, no. I'd take half of that now in cash <laughs> and let's go do something fun and have a great life. And along the way, I'm going to continue to build wealth. Along the way, I'm going to continue to impact the world. Don't wait. Don't wait. The mental wealth is also important. 
That's a great point. And, um, and that really ladders into my next question, which is uh, really directly from your book, which could you hold up that lovely book again? Yes, happy to. <laughs> Exit Without Exiting, available on Amazon. So uh, in your book, you talk about the importance of owning your business instead of letting it own you. And once again, I'm kind of like side eyeing at Heidi because Heidi knows that my business sometimes owns me and it's like a huge struggle. Um, I tend to get a little bit underwater. So I really could take this lesson from you, Jason. How does a positive money mindset play a role in creating healthy balance between work and personal life? Well, what's the purpose of owning the business? Now, I'm not asking, it's a rhetorical question, but we got to ask ourselves, why, what is the purpose of business ownership? Unfortunately, most people treat it as entrepreneurs as a path to a better paying job. Let's be honest, right? A lot of entrepreneurs just have better paying jobs than they had when they were in the corporate world, but they don't have a better life. They have better, they have more money, um, but that doesn't make a better life necessarily. So the purpose of business ownership, I believe, is to allow the business to finance the lifestyle you truly desire. So if you think about it, if I work 60, 80 hours a week, and I make half a million dollars a year, but but I'm like burning candle at both ends, whatever the, all those sayings are, and I don't have the time to enjoy life. Why? I would rather make 50 grand a year and only work 30 or 40 hours a week and have every night and weekend to do as I please. I watched um, Mark Cuban has, there's a famous little clip going around on Instagram right now where he says it's a conversation he's having with somebody. And then the camera just happened to pick it up. He's like, I would rather make 50 grand a year and, you know, be my own boss and not have to work a hundred hours than make half a million working my fingers to the bone. And then Gary V, I watched a video he talked about today. He said, Hey, I know I've got friends who make 47 grand a year and they're living their best life. They take a couple of vacations a year. They don't have stress there. And he goes, I know guys that are make a hundred million a year and they're the most miserable people in the world. So money itself doesn't do this. It gives you opportunities, but it doesn't do it. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. What's the purpose of business ownership? I think business ownership is to does that help you finance the lifestyle you truly want to live? So if you want to have time to go take your kids to school every morning, if you want to be able to go to your kids' soccer games, if you want to go, you want to join the local theater guild and go to all the, the live plays in the park every summer, design your business to provide you that opportunity. Because if you work 30 years in your business, just for the opportunity later to have a lot of money to do what you want, you're no better, you're no different than the guy working a corporate job for the 401k that he can retire at 65 with a retirement plan. Except for you're the boss that you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) And you're your own employee. That's the other thing is that we become, we we start our business to be our own boss. We end up becoming our own employees because like we have to show up. It doesn't work without us. So we have, can can I stay home today? No, you can't stay home today. We have that conversation. I can't, I I can't, I got to go into the office. I got to work. Yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah. Work-life balance. I feel like as an entrepreneur is such a different animal. Because there's no turning off unless you turn off actively and intentionally. It's just, it's a lot harder. I feel like the lines are a lot more blurred between work and life when you are your own boss and employee. But you you coach a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Like this is, you. so you, you mm-hmm. see this every day. You, you help people along this journey. So what are some of the more common money mindset blocks that hold people back from achieving financial success? And is there any way that is like a blanket over how they can overcome them? Or is it so individualized? I think one of the blocks is that we have a scarcity mindset about money is that if we spend it or invest it and it doesn't work, like we can't get it back. And we don't have the same concept around time. And time is what we should be looking at as scarce 
And we should be looking at it as, hey, we don't have all the time in the world. You know, the hour that we're spending recording this podcast, none of us get this back. So let's make the most of it while we have it. I had a guy on LinkedIn, man, LinkedIn's getting worse about these sales pitches through these DMs. But anyway, he got DM, <laughs> hey, can I borrow 15 minutes of your time next week? And I didn't even answer him, but the answer in my brain was no, because you can't pay it back. Like you don't, mm. you can't pay back time you borrow. Borrow my time is gone. It's spent. But money, money is a renewable resource. Like I can go spend a hundred grand this year, blow it. I could do something dumb. I'll make it again next year. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I can get it back. But if I blow a hundred hours over the next month on stuff that doesn't matter and doesn't move my life forward, doesn't give me joy, I don't get that back. As a matter of fact, I will be worse off as a result of that. So our money blocks are around scarcity. Money, you can create wealth out of thin air. It can be created out of thin air. It's not a wish. It's not magic. You don't just sit down and pray and open your closet and $100,000 falls out. That's not how it works. But you can manifest opportunities that will attract to you the ability to make money. So spend it, invest it. If you screw it up, you can get more. Don't do that with time. Wow, this show really went in a direction that I didn't even realize, and it is so powerful. This is like, this is, I'm sorry to, if this is just me, but this is what I needed to hear probably more than anything else today. And this is really actually like a fact, like I have chills because I'm like, oh shit, yes, yes, <laughs> preach, Jason, preach. So in your book, you discuss the importance of creating systems and processes to free up time for entrepreneurs. You know, one of my recent masterminds and investments is in, um, you know, lead gen and closers and automation and funnel strategy so I can have more people in place to have systems that are automated so I can sit back and do a little bit less. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? How, and also mindset wise, like how can kind of having that mindset of automation help entrepreneurs prioritize their time? Well, from a mindset standpoint, think about it this way. Systems don't take sick days. People do. So there is a role for humans and your human capital. As a matter of fact, that's the fourth core principle I teach about in my book is investing in people. And I, I talk a lot about that because I really love investing in people. But systems don't take days off. Systems don't take sick days. S systems once implemented should run every single day, every single time in a predictable manner that leads to predictable results. The difference is you cannot have the mindset that the system requires you to be a part of it. You have to make the system be where it can run on its own. And it doesn't take you as an individual. And furthermore, it should not rely on any individual to make it happen. That's what a system is. I mean, if you walk into uh, a candy bar factory, for example, and you're watching the candy bars go down and there's the peanuts and then the nougat and the, the chocolate and it goes down and Bob is there, and, you know, pushing the, the button for the nougat to come out. I, I don't know. I've never been to a candy bar factory, but <laughs> you guys are in Pennsylvania. Maybe you've been to Hershey's. I've never yeah, been there. But, I'm not <laughs> but Bob can be replaced with Charlie. Charlie can be replaced with Susie. Susie can be replaced with Jan. It doesn't matter who's there. It has to have a person to do it, of course, but it doesn't matter who. That's the type of systems as entrepreneurs we have to create. We have to create systems on everything in our business, specifically our sales system. The sales system is the way you make money. It's the way you bring in revenue in your business. And if your sales system isn't put together in a proper way, you're always going to be the guy or the girl, as it were, to go make make it rain to bring money. In. So what I teach a lot in my, with my clients and in my coaching programs, and I talk about it in the book is creating a sales system. And I've got a three kind of 
three-part sales system that I teach, but you've got to create a proper sales system, but that's not the only one. There's many dozens of types of systems. There's finances and there's accounting, there's intake, there's customer, uh, customer procurement, there's product procurement, there's research and development. There's all these systems, but they need to be systematized where anybody can step in and make it happen. And when that happens, you've got an asset that's worth a lot of money. Love that. Yeah, I know. At first I was, I was listening to you talk and as Jamie mentioned, you know, I, I'm a yoga expert. I have my own app. I do a lot of different things, but it's all yoga. Right. And it's, but it's me. <laughs> and every time a company comes in they're like, we'll make your life easier. And we'll just, for example, do your social media for you. And I'm like, you can't do my social media for me because my social media is me. Like it's literally me doing yoga, doing poses, talking about yoga. It's me. So when you were saying all that, I was like, well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but it and does. Then, but it does. Sale. That's my yeah. point. It's like it, I turned around within that one answer to the question. My brain did a whole 180 when you talked about the sales system and, you know, the button pushing. <laughs> I really I have so many questions about it. So little time. Um, but when you say like a sales automaton, not automaton, but like system, do you just mean like a set of emails where like one gets triggered and then another gets triggered? Is that the type of thing you're talking about? No, I think it's a little deeper than that. So, so if you break down systems and processes, these are the two things you got to have. So a process is a series of actions or activities that if done in the same way, each time produces a predictable result. That's a process. And so, for instance, what you're talking about, Heidi, is a pro an email process. Like, mm -hmm. that's a process. But a system is a group of processes that, if operated all together in a consistent way, will lead to predictable results. And that's what we're looking for as entrepreneurs is predictable results. And that's what a system and a process can provide. So your email sequence that you're sending to potential people who download your new ebook or new followers to your podcast or whatever, new listeners to your podcast – that's a process. The sales system is this overarching thing that all works together where every piece works together to produce a predictable result. So I think that, you know, what you have to look at is understanding people's motivating reasons for wanting to do business with you. That's kind of, that's part of your system. And it's got to, you got to build processes that, that feed into that. The second is you got to understand who makes a good client and who doesn't. Because so many times entrepreneurs are chasing money. They're not chasing the right ideal client. And we could be honest with ourselves and say, at some point, you you need the money and you'll take whatever. If you'll write me a check, I'll do it, even though it's not ideal. I get it. There's a moment in time where that makes sense and you have to do it. But that's not ideal. That should not be your system. That should be an exception. And then the third thing is, is sequencing. The sequencing is where everybody, I think, screws up. The, one of the companies I own is a lighting company, and we do large commercial projects and buildings across the country. It's a very complex sales process. And if you don't sequence the things in the right sequence, like order, you can do all the same stuff and not get the deal. Hmm. And so sequencing is really, really important. So for us as coaches and as influencers and as people that are out in the public eye, we can't, we can't dismiss the sequence you know, of our process. How are we doing this? Because if your sequence is off, you could do all the right things, but in the wrong order and you don't get the predictable result. So I think those are the three things, understanding why people are wanting to do business with you, why people buy, who is your ideal client and have a scoring system. I teach a scoring system called the 20 point matrix. And I talk about it in the book. And then third is that just the sequence, like how do you sequence everything together so that you're getting the optimal opportunities for people to want to do business with you? It's like a dance. I love it. Yeah, very much. A <laughs> that's, dance. How, that's how my brain thinks. <laughs> that's so good. So 
<clears throat> for you to be able to make me understand anything about sales is pretty amazing. I'm like, to Jamie knows. <laughs> anti-sales girl. No, but it's the hardest part. And so like for me, Heidi, that's why I just brought in like a team because I always focus so much on the product. And the sales team was like, that's great, but they're not buying the product. They're buying the outcome. They're buying the promised outcome. Yep. So it, so if that's not what you're actually selling when you get on the phone with them, no wonder you're sitting on the phone with these women for 45 minutes. And then they're saying, oh, well, let me go. I'll talk to my husband about it. And then they never get back to you. Like I am really good at creating the product and doing the thing that is the product because I'm like a coach. But getting on the phone and understanding that mindset of sales where you're really selling the outcome, you're selling the dream. There's a way that you have to really kind of verbalize it and just make them wrap their head around it. If that's not my thing, if that's not the thing I'm great at, then I have to learn to outsource that. I, like, I think I told you, Heidi, one of my big tenants is like, fire yourself as a yeah. solopreneur, figure out the parts of your business that you suck at and fire yourself and figure out where you need to resource up. Totally. But Jane, you have the thing that so many people don't circling back to the worthiness, right? It's like you believe that what you sell, what you have to offer, and you personally are worthy of investing in a team to sell for you, right? And I think that, Jason, you can speak more to this, obviously. I would imagine that that seems to be the biggest hangup for many people. It's like, well, I, I have to do it all myself because I can't pay somebody else. I can't, I, I, you know, so we can circle back to the time and time is money and all that and time is invaluable and all that as many times as we want. But that core belief that you're not worthy of a team of support of people helping you that the money's going to come back if you spend it those are sort of beliefs that must be i imagine you know as someone who helps entrepreneurs really difficult to dismantle so what advice would you give to someone who is really struggling to shift their money mindset and break free from these repeating thoughts these repeating stories and these financial limitations you know, you got to have the understanding that where you are right now is directly related to the way you thought up to this point. And so if you don't like where you are, it is nobody's fault, but your own, your thoughts have led you to exactly where you are today. What you think about, you bring about. So if you're in a position where you're struggling, whether in whatever, whether it's relationship, finances, work, whatever it happens to be health, you're there only because you thought a certain way, whatever you thought in a mindset, that's what we're talking about. Your mind was set in a certain frequency to lead you to that outcome. You got to understand that first and, and acknowledge that. And then second, I'd say is if once you acknowledge that you have to change how you think you've got to change. How that's you think. so hard. Now, that sounds simple. <laughs> sounds simple. It sounds simpler, but it's easier to say than it is to do. Here's why coaches and masterminds and programs are so valuable is that they will force you to think about things differently. They will give you new information. So when I was listening to Dave Ramsey back in the day, all the information I had about money at that time was debt is bad, you know, save and scrimp, you know, do whatever. That was that I thought I thought. And that led to a certain outcome of a life of debt aversion, guilt around debt, thinking money was scarce. That's what that led for me. I'm not saying that's what it leads for everybody, but that's what led to when I had different people give me new information about what money really was like and how debt can be a leverage tool to create wealth. 
the mindset changes. And I'm like, oh, but that took me getting in different rooms around different people. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You've got to get into rooms where people around you are pulling you up. You can't be in the one where you're the old guy at the top or the girl at the top pulling people up to where you are. You have to get in a room where people are lifting you up and are pulling you up. And that's what happened to me. And so I hired, I've spent a quarter of a million dollars at least. I can't, I don't know what the number is on coaches and masterminds and programs. And, and did it all work? No, but pieces of it gave me pieces that helped lead me to where I am today. Change the way you think and your reality will change. That is so powerful. This has all been so powerful. I wish we had hours with you. You're literally kind of rocking my world. I'm not going to lie. Like I have a lot to chew on and think about. Um, we always have one segment that we finish the show with, but it is called Karma Call. Heidi, want to explain? <laughs> Thank you for that lovely intro, Jamie. So I always explain being the resident yogi that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that would be you today. What is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? So small action, big result. A small action, big result is I want you to commit to one whole day of no negative talk, no negative talk whatsoever. Because negative emotions and positive emotions can't exist in the same space. So if you go one whole day and don't allow yourself to say anything negative, don't say anything like, uh, man, that was so dumb, or oh, God, I, can't, I hate this shirt, or man, I don't want to go there. All those little tiny things are feeding negative emotions into our brains. And the law of compensation, you call karma, everybody call the, the, the law of sowing and reaping, all those are the same thing. The law of compensation, karma, all teaches that we get what we put out in the world. So if you can delete the negative sayings and the negative emotions, your world will change. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Jason. Before we let you go, first of all, I want you to say one more time the name of your book, where people can buy it. So let's start there. Yeah. So this is Exit Without Exiting, How to Exit Your Business Without Selling It and Begin Living the Exit Lifestyle Much Sooner Than You Ever Thought Possible. You can get this at therealjasonduncan.com slash book, therealjasonduncan.com slash book. You can follow me on any social media platform at therealjasonduncan, but pick up a copy. It's only, I think it's 15, 16 bucks. And for an extra $5, I'll send you a signed copy. Love it. That's all we need to know, my friend. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us at home. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.